Welcome to the Tech Policy Podcast. On December 4th, 2020, Delian Asparohoff, a principal at the venture capital firm Founders Fund, tweeted, okay guys, hear me out. What if we move Silicon Valley to Miami? Francis Suarez, Miami's mayor responded, how can I help? 10 days later, the San Francisco Board of Supervisors voted 10 to one to formally condemn the renaming of a hospital after Mark Zuckerberg and his wife, Priscilla Chan, notwithstanding the fact that they'd given the hospital $75 million. Capital will go where it is welcomed, it's been said, and it will stay where it is well treated. So it should come as no surprise that Mayor Suarez's approach, he has literally said that he wants to make entrepreneurs feel welcome, is paying off for Miami. But Miami's tech moment is about so much more than Francis Suarez. The tech talent flocking to Miami are praising the city's diversity and its open-mindedness. People are saying there's something special, an optimism, a sense of possibility that is lacking elsewhere. Of course, tech hubs are built on a lot more than viral tweets and a friendly vibe. As it tries to build on its momentum, Miami faces a number of challenges, including inequality, potential political headwinds in Tallahassee, and rising seas. What is going on with tech in Miami? How much is hype? How much is reality? How has the city gotten here and where is it headed? That is our topic today. I'm Corbin Barthold, Internet Policy Counsel at Tech Freedom. I'm pleased to be joined by Matt Hagman. Matt works at the Miami-Dade Beacon Council, where he's the executive vice president in charge of One Community, One Goal, an initiative for economic development in Miami-Dade County. In the past, he has been, among many other things, an award-winning reporter at the Miami Herald. The unifying theme of his distinguished career, as far as I can tell, has been service in a variety of roles to the city of Miami. Welcome to the show, Matt. Corbin, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here and love nothing better than talking about Miami. So looking forward to digging in. Well, it's so great to have you. Um, and as I suggested at the outset, there, there seems to be something special going on uh, in Miami and uh, certainly cultural attitudes seem to matter. Um, I've seen tech talent say even like, quote, seeing Francis Suarez speak positively about tech was actually meaningful when explaining their move to Miami. So uh, maybe to start with, you can help us understand this cultural advantage. You know, what makes Miami so appealing? You know, it's Miami has been built on, on through the years, people coming from someplace else and making their own imprint in the place. That is sort of in the DNA of Miami. So seeing this latest wave coming here, that is something that we've seen again and again in Miami. And we've seen it. And I experienced this myself. I grew up in Boston. I came here to work as a reporter and thought I'd be here for a year or two. And what I found was a community that uniquely has an open mind, open arms, and a big heart. And that's, that is an asset in Miami that we're seeing once again. Um, Right now, as people who are, you know, I think in so many ways, COVID is this moment where, you know, it's prompted so many of us to reevaluate, reevaluate, reevaluate who we want to be with, where we want to work, you know, where we want to live. And in the midst of this evaluation, so many people looked at the map 
and Miami is a place that's come up again and again. And Miami is a place that through its very short life, a city a little over a century old, has welcomed people again and again and again. And it's just doing it once more now. Well, I've um, heard it enough times that it, it, it seems to be getting to be more than anecdotal. That um, <laughs> People are just saying, oh, man, people are just happier in Miami. Um, so there's got to be something to it. Although uh, this is also the tech policy podcast. So <laughs> I'm sure that uh, Keith Raboy, to name another you know, general partner at, at Founders Fund, you know, wouldn't be moving to Miami because of uh, positive attitudes. So at a more granular level, you know, taxes or zoning laws or scholarship programs, even, even down at that level, you know, what policies is Miami uh, employing to, to attract tech firms and tech talent? Well, here, I mean, I think, I actually think it's, I mean, for sure, if you want to think about, you know, zero income tax, of course, that makes a big difference, right? But I think the thing about Miami that's changed is the bargain before about Miami was great weather, you know, relatively affordable and, uh, and no income tax, right? And what the, the bargain has now through the years turned into is a uniquely diverse and cosmopolitan city. And in fact, Keith Raboy was quoted, I think it was in Forbes, when he said he's moved to Miami. He cited the fact that Miami is so cosmopolitan. Miami is a place where over half the population is born outside the U.S. rather than in. So it is a higher percentage of foreign-born residents than any city in the U.S. So it brings this unique diversity that informs the city in really, really special ways. Um, furthermore, it's a place that's become culturally alive. I think for years, Miami, if you think of culture, uh, you didn't think of Miami necessarily. You thought of beaches and sun and all of that, but Miami has become a you know one of the, the, a, a cultural center um, in its own right. And I'd say the other thing is is how the city is redeveloped. You know, with amazing. You know, we're just we're going back to to Keith Raboy and Founders Fund where they set up in Wynwood. You know, a, a, a neighborhood that has emerged. You know, over the last ten to fifteen years, um, and we've seen that across the city. And these things, you know, when they were happening, weren't being done in the name of tech. Um, and of course, there's been a whole tech movement, which I'm, you know, look forward to, to talking about. But these other things about revitalizing our urban core and our neighborhoods, building the art and cultural life of the community, the city becoming so uniquely international, all of these things in so many ways have come together to now make what is this sort of amazing place that we now call Miami, that during COVID, so many more people have discovered and are now saying, you know what, that's where I'm going to plant my flag. Well, let me put the spotlight uh, on you, Matt, because sure. I, I, I do, um, you mentioned that there's so much more than tech going on and that Suarez tweet, uh, no doubt it's, it's become sort of an iconic event, but uh, what's happening in Miami is built on much more than that. And there's a lot of people like you who have been doing a lot of hard work for a long time who, um, you know, it, it doesn't do you justice to just make it sound like there was a tweet and now people are coming. It's not been like that at all. Although it was um, a big tweet, no doubt about it. But um, so in February, TechCrunch had an article, Eight Miami Area Investors Assess America's Southernmost Tech Ecosystem. 
And uh, the subheadline noted, you know, there's a lot of potential for this city, but Rome wasn't built in a day. And it's this series of interviewer uh, interviews of uh, investors in the article, and each of them were asked a series of questions. One of them was to name a key person creating success locally, and multiple of them named you. So tell us about what you personally have been doing to bring uh, success to the city. You know, don't be bashful. Oh, no, I appreciate that. So, yeah, so, you know, as you, you mentioned, I was a reporter, and that's what brought me to Miami. And I worked as a reporter for 10 years, most of that time at the Miami Herald. But in late 2011, moved over to a place called Knight Foundation. And Knight Foundation is a, it's a foundation based here in Miami, works across the country. And my job at Knight was to oversee their program here in Miami. But it was at a point where they were thinking anew about what to do in Miami and what to focus on. And I remember at the time, the CEO, a guy named Alberto Bargwin, who's still the CEO today, said, go talk to people for four months and tell me what we should do next in Miami. So this is early 2012. All the efforts around building the arts community and revitalizing the urban core, you know, those were all in Miami becoming more and more cosmopolitan. All of those trends were happening. And I remember thinking, what could be that next thing? And, as a and at Knight Foundation, what could we really lean in on and focus on? And after a couple of months, came back and said, you know what? I think that we should focus on building a tech and startup community in Miami. Feeling like that all the elements were there, even as, you know, to so many, the idea almost sounded absurd that Miami could become a center of innovation and, and entrepreneurship and in its own right. But we went ahead. And, you know, over you know, some seven years, started building the ecosystem, trying to think about all the different elements that are required in an ecosystem and either starting them in Miami or bringing them in Miami. And so in so many ways, this moment um, that is so exciting where we have so many people coming here, but we are we have this ecosystem that's here that's been built over the course of nine years. So in many ways, Miami is sort of a, you know, an overnight success, nine years in the making. Um, and it's, but, but that is how it's, you know, it's sort of the, all along the idea was we're going to create lots of champions, build an ecosystem where lots of people treat it as their own. Um, and, you know, we're really seeing that all pay off as so many people continue to push this ecosystem forward. And now as we have this moment with so many more coming here, now the, the possibilities are dramatically greater. So venture capital uh, clearly is, is moving to the city and some of them are sort of outsized personalities and so they're easy to spot. Um, but when we say that uh, Miami's having a tech moment, can you talk, what are some of the specific things going on uh, in the city these days in that, in that ecosystem? Look, I mean, whether it's, you know, I mean, any, fundamentally any ecosystem needs talent funded. Right. I mean, that's fundamental. When we were first started the whole effort to build the ecosystem here. We had that top of mind. Well, take just the funding question. What have we seen during this COVID winter? We've seen Atomic uh, VC moved here. We've seen uh, Founders Fund launch an office here. We've just saw General Catalyst announce they're launching an office here. So, I mean, each one of those things are really important. Important number one. Oh, and then, of course, we saw SoftBank announce that they're going to uh, dedicate $100 million to Miami startups. That each one of those things is so important. One, of course, from a validation standpoint, showing that, yes, we could be any place. And, yes, we're choosing Miami. But in addition, fundamentally, sort of what is a raw material that any ecosystem needs 
You know, it is that entrepreneurs who ideas who's, who who can, who can get the funding to drive and support the ideas that they're building. And we have that in Miami. I mean, you could argue in many ways that, of course, in terms of getting capital, having you know funders actually in your city to a certain degree is less important. But I certainly would like to have them nearby and down the street and running into them when I'm getting my coffee in the morning. So uh, and Miami now has that. And, and that is a giant, giant step forward in our work. Spectacular. Well, um, I agree that once you've got those sort of high agency uh, individuals, another term I've heard is super routers, those people who are just networkers and bring people in, you can make really interesting things happen. I've heard it say, uh, said by several people in Miami that they're now meeting uh, just as many people passing through as they did when they lived in D.C. or in New York, which I'm sure must make a difference. Oh, ab- absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's funny. And thinking about this, I just my mind just drifted back to, you know, you were saying, you know, when just getting this started. And I remember when thinking about, you know, launching the program at Knight Foundation around Miami startup community. At the time, someone had sent me uh, a blog post that Paul Graham had written back, I think like 2006, uh, and talked about new centers of innovation and what do they need. Uh, and he said, essentially what they need is, is nerds and rich people, right? You need, <laughs> you know, smart guys, smart uh, men and women who are, you know, building cool things and you need those who are going to support it and fund it. Um, and it, ironically enough, at the time, he wrote that Miami will never be one of those cities because we have the uh, we have the uh, there's money here, but there but there are no nerds. But went on to say there are really three things that you need to attract, as he said, the nerds. Um, and the the three things are around having sort of cool urban environments, having uh, and uh, being a place that's culturally alive and having universities that could turn up the talent. And it was funny, I remember sitting there, you know, in 2012, and we're thinking of launching the program, thinking, you know what, Miami, when he was writing this blog post, you know, in so many ways, didn't have a case to make. But here we are, you know, a few years later, and we can begin to see that Miami is, has, is, can make a case on these things, right? I mean, in terms of the universities, you should know, like, Florida National University, uh, is now, I think we're now top five in terms of size of public research universities in the U.S., Miami Dade College, the largest campus-based college in the country. Um, and so the thinking that Miami has a case to make in this formula around what we need for centers of innovation. And now as we fast forward today, we are there, right? In terms of thinking about people that the network that you want to be part of having, as you talked about the collisions where you're, you know, running into people doing interesting things here in Miami at a, you know, just as if you were in SF or in other cities, um, you know, that's when you sort of hit that sweet spot. And I think that's why we, even now we continue to see people to come to Miami. So good things are happening. And as we've discussed, um, there's been a lot of work to get to this point. It does seem just as an outsider looking at, at the phenomenon that is Miami, that it, it might be sort of a, a hinge point. So let's turn maybe to some of the, the challenges and, and how to sure. keep momentum. So, you know, cause five, 10 years from now, we may look at this, this, um, Miami as tech hub, as a, as a fad that didn't pan out, or it could end up, 
being something that, you know, this really was the start of something momentous and people are writing books telling the history totally. or something in between, of course. Yeah. yeah um, of and so uh, one issue that that jumps off immediately is uh, inequality, you know, going by the Gini coefficient um, for income, at least Miami is, uh, you know, as or more unequal than any city in California. Um, I think the statistic is something like one third of households in Miami-Dade County earn less than $35,000 annually. So, you know, obviously poverty is a bad in and of itself. Um, but then also as far as keeping momentum as a tech hub, you know, inequality, it, it seems to me, has the potential to over the medium and long-term drive exactly the kind of shift in attitude, sort of the tech lash that I think we're seeing in San Francisco. Um, as I mentioned, sort of an instance of uh, at totally. the outset. Now, um, you know, Keith Raboy, I've, I've heard him put it that Miami sort of has a certain amount of cultural antibodies. As you mentioned, people come from elsewhere and some of them have literally been fleeing, you know, dysfunctional government. And, and maybe sure. that gives you um, a certain recognition of the good that tech brings. But, but ultimately, inequality is going to be a drag on on that attitude. So what's going on in Miami with, uh, with inequality and, and what can you do to ensure that the tech community remains seen as a force of poverty alleviation rather than a force of exploitation? Look, that's our great challenge. And, but honestly, also, I think our great opportunity um, that, you know, you're right. So Miami, there's a yawning income gap, a yawning opportunity gap that we've got. And we know that as technology becomes more and part of the life of the city, that can result in actually exacerbating those trends rather than easing them. Um, and, and further, but I think it presents this enormous opportunity that if we can really lean into access, talent development in a really you know, fundamental way, that that presents an opportunity to do something that no ecosystem has been able to pull off. And that is, is that doing both, creating new, you know, I mean, let's be really clear. Silicon Valley is, is not going anywhere and that will be, you know, one of, if not the primary center of, center of innovation. But what we're seeing and what has been our belief in Miami from the very first day is that there are gonna be other complementary center, centers of innovation around the world and Miami can be one of those places. In a, in a really, really big way. But in terms of doing both sort of the twofer of both building a center of innovation, but also creating a way in which we're driving social mobility at scale, right? And that's something that from the earliest days here that people have been really clear on uh, as a goal uh, and that people are leaning into, whether it's universities, whether it's building talent development efforts, uh, how to you know, increase opportunity, increase access in a fundamental way. You know, because, I mean, after all, if we could pull this off, that, I mean, innovation is built on a diversity of people and ideas. And Miami is among the most diverse communities, you know, in the United States. And so it presents this grand opportunity um, to, to be something that we really haven't seen anywhere in the world. But it, is a, but it is no doubt a daunting challenge, but one that if we can pull it off, we'll do something that we haven't seen anywhere. I think I love that answer. Um, it, it, the devil's going to be in the details. So it'll be interesting to see how you guys navigate that. Um, Everyone's I, very conscious of it. I mean, certainly it's top of mind that, you know, that we've all we've seen this movie before. 
right? I mean, mm-hmm. so uh, we know that if we're not intentional, if we're not smart, if we don't make good decisions, we know where this all leads. And we know ultimately that if lots of the population see that this is not a part of their own lives and it's not helping their lives, and in fact, if it's undermining their lives, then, then you know, perhaps even in a place like Miami, where I would agree, which I think those feelings people would be much slower to arrive at, but even in a place like Miami, that could be an issue. And that's why we really need to be intentional about making this entire effort by, for, of, you know, the entire community. So let me shift to the state level. Sure. Uh, Florida's governor, Ron DeSantis, has been playing up. um, Well, you could argue he's playing up the exploitation angle a lot. You know, rhetorically, he's been referring to Silicon Valley oligarchs and he's been going after uh, big tech um, currently pending, we've talked about on the podcast and other episodes, his, his social media bill uh, that regu- aims to regulate uh, the major platforms. Um, now, granted, it's, it's all been rhetoric about big tech, uh, but big firms and big tech satellite offices help make a tech ecosystem. And I bet a lot of the entrepreneurs in Miami aspire to become the kind of uh, the founders of the kinds of companies that DeSantis currently dislikes. Um, so, you know, I suppose this is a very hard question for you, but like, are you happy with DeSantis's approach? I mean, how can he help Miami? You know, I think the, the feeling is, is that Miami, that we're head down focused on building here in Miami. And that, you know, if we do, uh, if we do our work well, uh, and I say our, I mean, in terms of whatever one's role is, you know, in the community and in the startup community and focusing on that, that we'll find success. Um, And so, you know, honestly, so much of that, the the truth is, Corbin, that all those, those sorts of issues day to day here in Miami, it really doesn't come up that much. I mean, people are really instead focusing on new ventures being launched, scaled, how people can help one another, how we can continue to build this ecosystem, how we can create a more equitable ecosystem that creates opportunities across the community. That's really where the the conversations and focus are on a day-to-day basis. And, um, And those sorts of policy discussions really don't come up that much candidly. Well, that's probably the appropriate strategy (laughs) <laughs> um, it's very, very diplomatic of you. Anyway, well, <laughs> if we're going to talk, if we're going to talk, let me throw another perhaps long term away. I was um, a journalist, so please. Uh, yeah, only- well, uh, you know, Miami, even more than other cities, uh, definitely needs to be concerned about climate change. Yep. You, got, you guys have king tides. Uh, Miami Beach has already had very real flooding issues. Um, looking ahead, I think think the number is something like two feet of sea level rise over the next 30 years are expected. Um, I've heard it said pretty glibly, you know, you, you can't run a tech hub underwater. Um, so what is Miami's plan for dealing with, uh, with rising waters? And, and do you see it as um, something where city leaders are getting beyond talking points and that there's actually a concrete plan? It's still early days. I do think you know, for sure that there are efforts underway in the city of Miami and Miami Beach and at the, and at the county. Um, here's how I would describe it. I would actually describe it not unlike when we were talking about income inequality, that it presents a great challenge. I mean, Miami is one of the most 
threaten coastal cities uh, to sea level rise um, in the U.S. and certainly in even you know if you were to look at the the global map. <clears throat> but um, I think it also presents this enormous opportunity. And by that I mean how do we take what is this multi-billion-dollar challenge to our community and turn it into a multi-billion-dollar business opportunity? Let's own this. Right. Let's own the, the fact that we are a city threatened by sea level rise and be the place that the latest innovations, the newest ideas, the most you know, cutting edge efforts are done here and have Miami really to be a proving ground. Because after all, as we talk about sea level rise, it is coastal cities around the world that are going to be affected by it. Miami is not alone. Miami is not on the, uh, the you know, on an island somehow where it's the only place that's going to be affected by sea level rise. All coastal cities will be. But the thinking is, well, since Miami is so closely tied to it, then let's own it. And in fact, as we think as as we're thinking about the ecosystem that is being that continues to be built here in Miami, that you know, a big part of it going forward um, is 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 around efforts to address sustainability um, and climate change and sea level rise and having that be an economic driver going forward. And so for sure, it's a challenge, but it presents this enormous opportunity for us as, as we're pushing forward. So as I've seen, um, some in the Bay area tech world, I, I would almost go as far to say giving a post-mortem as to how did, um, tech companies become so, anathema in the very place that birthed them. Um, an answer I've seen repeatedly is, well, we, and by we, in this case, I mean the, the, the actual tech workers and VCs and the people who made that world, we were so focused on sort of building our product. We never got involved in local politics. This sort of snuck up on us uh, and here we are. Um, and I look at someone like you who really is straddling these different worlds and, and working within the, I guess, civic community is the term I'd, sure. I'd put it. So, so yeah. as, as we draw to a close here, moving forward, you know, let me return it back to you. What do you see as your role in facilitating um, the growth of the city and in, you know, some of these, uh, we mentioned inequality, we mentioned rising seas as these issues that could, if you're... Um, doing, I don't know, VC meetings, nine to nine, six days a week, you know, will sneak up on you because it's not what you're focused on. For sure. And I think, look, I mean, number one, we need to build an ecosystem where people can build ideas at scale and build awesome, groundbreaking, you know, earth shattering companies, right? And we want to be that place. And that's, that is, and if you can't do that, and you can't be a place that does that, it's not going to work. But number two, though, along with that, though, as I said earlier, you know, I, the thinking is, and someone in my role can, you know, can, can has the time to, to keep reminding of this and keep our focus on this, is that diversity is our great differentiator. And that in building this ecosystem, we have to build one that is by for of the entire community and build one that is, that is actually driving opportunity, uh, that is creating social mobility across the community. And we can do that if we, you know, stay intentional and stay focused on that. It's not an either or, we can be both. Um, and then, you know, along with that uh, is the thing we were just talking about and thinking about, you know, ways that as we're building, you know, what is this really awesome and really exciting startup community here in Miami is to see it in a way that, you know, something that we can solve our greatest challenges, and that includes sea level rise. And so someone in my role 
you know, can be helpful along with many others, because I, I really mean this, that from the earliest days, the feeling has been, you know, this is, this is a community effort and is built on his bottom up, not top down. Um, and it requires each and every one of us, but certainly, and I'm not alone in this, but building an ecosystem that, you know, th that can do all of those things. That is dry, that is creating amazing companies, but is also something that's, you know, creating opportunity across the community and solving our biggest challenges like sea level rise. Well, Matt, thank you so much for your time. Um, I, you know, my only last uh, my only remaining question is, you know, when am I going to get out to Miami and uh, check this out? And, and what should I be what should I be doing when I get there? Corbin, I can't wait for you to come. Uh, you know, I look forward. I would love to welcome you to Miami when you get here and then just start wandering around, man. I mean, Miami is a place that, you know, keep looking around corners. It's just a place that is so dynamic and so fluid. And there's so many people. This is a culture really of of no permission. It's just built on coming here and doing and look forward to having you here and being part of it. Well, thank you again, Matt. Uh, thank you to our listeners. And uh, I'm Corbin Barthel. Till next time. The Tech Policy Podcast is produced and distributed by Tech Freedom, a nonpartisan nonprofit think tank in Washington, D.C. To learn more about our work, make a tax-deductible donation, or find other episodes, find us online at techfreedom.org.